This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This is Kansas State's Cooper Beebe, and you're listening to the PowerCat Post Game Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you're subscribing to this show on your favorite podcast provider. Welcome to another post-game edition of the PowerCat Podcast. It is the post-game review with Tim Fitzgerald and Cole Carmody. I'm missing Brian Hanley again this week. But I think we'll just stick with the road trip follow-ups. Um, he offered to drive over this morning from Frisco. We're over in North Lake. And I said, you know what, brother? Just don't spend an hour on the road today to come to us. We'll follow up later. Um, Kansas State loses 38-28 to TCU last night at Amon G. Carter Stadium. Who is that? Uh, that was uh, – he was a president, President Carter. Okay. Yep. Um, and just a disastrous – like, not even second half. Uh, you know, I, I I just told the guys, I'm not going to use the cliche of the tale of two halves because K-State didn't get to halftime before the problem started. And, boy, did the problems show up. Like the weather getting colder. Um, not here, but it will in Kansas eventually. And uh, make sure you head over to our sponsor, Caddyshack Golf. Check out all of their um, cooler weather golf wear. Even if you're not a golfer, really cool stuff with the Golfing Willie logo. Got all kinds of accessories and fun stuff other than just clothing. I love my Caddyshack golf shirt, and I am not a golfer. It's Caddy with two T's. Get on over to Caddyshack Golf. Use code GPC on your next order for free shipping. Cole, ugh. That's that's my whole podcast right there. Ugh. Look, um, things went off the rails. Comple- I've never covered a game like that. I've covered a lot of football in my Gosh, um, 30 plus years. We'll just say that. It, I'll, I'll just stick with that the rest of my life. 30 plus years of covering college football. I've never covered a game like that. It was strange. I mean, there's no way around that. The fact that K-State, um, let's let's just say this. They're on the road at the number eight team in the country. TCU is undefeated. And K-State comes in at number 17, the very first play of the game for the Wildcats. Adrian Martinez rushes the ball for 20 yards. And I think every single person is thinking, this is exactly the type of offense that they need. They're going to be ready to go. They're going to be fine. Then they go three and out. And the broadcast shows Adrian grabbing at his knee. And I think everyone around the country, not just K-State fans who are watching that game, said, oh no. And on comes Will Howard, Mm. the, the player that, Everybody besides K-State fans 
uh, want to say can be successful at Kansas State. You talk to anybody inside of that program, you talk to anybody who covered his recruiting, they'll tell you that they think Will Howard can be a successful quarterback at K-State. He was just thrown into a bad situation his freshman season. Um, a lot of K-State fans still it won't matter. They hold that against him. I understand that. But uh, he came in and he played the best game of his career. He was throwing passes that Adrian Martinez wasn't able to, to right. complete. He looked amazing. And um, he played an amazing game. He ran the ball effectively. He threw the ball effectively in the first half. Four t- four drives, four touchdowns. And then you're right. It just went off the rails. And I, people want to blame play calling. Uh, people, But you look at the stats. I think it was 7.4 yards per play that, that they averaged. I mean... This wasn't play calling. This was a multitude of things. And when you combine uh, the inefficiency in the second half with the injuries, which I'm sure we'll talk about, it's really, really hard to beat a team that is now potentially a favorite to make a college football playoff, one of the remaining unbeaten teams in the country. It's it's pretty it's pretty remarkable that this team, with two missed field goals, only lost by 10 points. Yeah, TCU um... – is probably the best team in the conference. I think we can come to that conclusion now after beating Oklahoma State and and Kansas State, and they've also beaten Texas already. I mean, they've got the other three maybe contenders out of the way. Uh, I think they're going to run into some issues. I mean, they still got to go to Tech, and I think Tech's. I've been saying this. I think they're Tech's coming to DCU. Well, it's amazing. How still though, Tech Tech is playing very well right now. So let me get this right on their home schedule. They have Texas, Oklahoma State, TCU, and Tech. They go to Texas, but they get Texas Tech, they get K-State, they get Oklahoma, and they get Oklahoma State at home with, I believe, one more. I apologize. I am getting OU and Tech. Yeah. Yeah, Texas is down there. I'm getting OU uh, twisted up in my mind because they should have been a contender. So, yeah, that Texas game is huge. But I'm not that worried about TCU. Even though it's a good football team, that's a beatable football team. Um, that's a team that uh, has a persistent quarterback, uh, a persistent offensive coordinator. And that's a topic I want to get into, persistent in terms of how they attack you. Um, and I felt like Kansas State, when they put in Will Howard, the games changed not from a player standpoint, but from a play calling standpoint. Colin Klein did things with Will Howard he won't do with Adrian Martinez. And I question why, and I will ask him next week. Why was your play calling for four possessions so much more dynamic, different than what we see with Adrian Martinez? And um, honestly, Will Howard was brilliant, but he got some breaks. I mean, Cade Warner competed for a pass and got it for the touchdown. It should have been intercepted. Cade took it away. There was a couple other plays where it was kind of 50-50 balls, and I saw receivers compete in a level that they haven't this year. Um, And then that last possession, last full possession for Kansas State before halftime, I I, kind of got the impression that Collins like, we're going to milk the clock. We're not going to give him the ball back. We're not going to attack him. We're just going to move the ball. No, man, you you can't change what's working. And Garrett Riley on the other sideline never changed. Stuff wasn't working. Maybe he went to different plays, but he is aggressive for the entire game. You can't take your foot off the gas. What did he say to us on Thursday? I want to score as many points as possible. But brother, that didn't look like it. And and this is how 
um, good TCU is at flipping the switch. That's all they needed. They needed you to let off the gas, to give them a three and out, punt the ball back, and immediately they're like, game on. We got to stop. Their defense is so fragile. When they get a stop, it it just motivates that offense. Here we go. And down the field they went. In a classic Bill Snyder move, this is exactly something Coach Snyder always coached for. Uh, now, granted, Chris Kleiman didn't win the toss. The first time this year he hasn't. Um, so this was in TCU's court. They deferred so that they could have the ball to start the second half. And they did the old the old back-to-back possession. Two for one. Man, and it worked perfectly go down score milk the clock out in the process um and then get the ball back and score again and they change a 28 10 game to 28 24 game in a matter of minutes and it was just huge it was incredible i understand i really understand what what the strategy there was and chris Kleiman talked a little bit about it after the game i understand what colin klein was trying to do because fitz i'll say this going into a 30 mile an hour wind if I were to ask you before the game, K-State is going to be up 28-10 to 10 with four minutes left in the first half. They have been consistently forcing TCU into third and longs. TCU will get the ball on their own 10-yard line going 30 miles into the wind where practically the kicking game is impossible. You, nobody was going to make a field goal in that wind, right? Unless it's a chip shot 30-yard field goal. You're not, you're not trying to kick. Chris Common talked about when K-State missed that kick going in that direction. It was like, well, we didn't have a quarterback. So we kind of had to kick it. But TCU was not going to attempt a field goal down 18 points. If you were down, if I told you that K-State was up 28 to 10 with four minutes left in the first half, TCU had the ball on their own 10-yard line. They had to drive 90 yards down the field to make it 28-17. I understand why that Colin Klein made it quote-unquote conservative decision, but I agree there didn't seem to be any urgency of trying to get the first down. It felt like he said, we have a backup quarterback in. I know he's thrown, led four straight touchdown drives, but we don't want to make a mistake. And I've always been of the mindset, if anything you do, not just in football, if you play to to not lose as opposed to play to win, you're going to lose. I'm sure when we talk to Colin, he'll, he'll admit they probably should have been more aggressive on that drive. But for a team that hangs its hat on defense, right? That's what we've talked about is this defense at K-State. They're going to keep them in every game. And and quite honestly, they didn't really didn't do that in the second half. Now, injuries obviously played a major part of that. But my expectations for the defense are that they are able to hold them out of the end zone for four minutes, 90 yards. To me, that was an unacceptable performance by the defense. There was a lot of missed tackles. So we can talk about the offense, but the defense shares the blame in that part of the end of the first half as well yeah i would agree 100 percent with all of that um and i want to say this uh, it's funny to watch fans particularly on social media after the game you gotta ask this you gotta ask this you gotta you know and we did ask chris Kleiman virtually everything and i thought he was very forthcoming he, he talked about injuries in a vague way but he refused to even lean on it one bit as an excuse. I admire that because it is a big reason why they lost. Um, and again, we've got a full injury report up at gopowercat.com for our subscribers um, as we you know, kind of flesh everything out that uh, went on last night. And it's it was severe. I mean, not severe injuries, but 
the the number of injuries to frontline guys, not starters, not just starters. I mean, stars. Daniel Green, we worry about him for the next game. Of course, Adrian Martinez, we worry about him for the next game. Um, Julius Brents, is that just a tweaked hamstring or was that a hamstring pull? Because one of the TCU touchdowns in the second half was Julius just bless his heart, man. He he finished the play. He still tried to make a tackle even though his hamstring was gone. Um, and he just got beat down the field. We can go on and on. I mean, if you watch the game, you saw all the guys that go down, including Will Howard, who had a shoulder issue. I, I want to see the, the replay of it because a lot of people claimed he was punched on the play. And I know that he was driven down. In the, look at it this way. In the NFL, uh, he wasn't passing, but if, that, if he was in a passing posture— right. That's roughing the passer with how he was driven into the ground. Perfectly legal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's football, right? You're going to have that kind of thing happen. But credit to Will Howard for understanding. I'm He, he was hurting. And mm-hmm. he came into the post game and, and talked to us in the media room. That was impressive. I mean, I, I told you, Fitz, I had never talked to Will before. That kid is a class act. He really is. For him to have any kind of hate, and I still saw it on social media. People are are mad at him for throwing that last interception. Uh, you cannot get mad at a kid who has sacrificed his entire college career because he loves Kansas State. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's what this comes down to. So, Will Howard played a great game, and, and yeah, the injuries, it, they were piling up, no doubt. Yeah, it, it was uh, unbelievable. The, the defense was a shell of itself by the end of the game. Um but um, you still got to get some stops. You still got to tackle. Uh, we asked Chris Kleiman about that last possession of the first half, and he said, yeah, I think we got too conservative. You know, it's easy to go back and evaluate. Again, I don't think he's messing around with play calling. I mean, he's probably saying, yeah, we're going to go for this. Yeah, we're going to kick the field goal. Yeah, we're going to punt, whatever. He's making those kind of coaching decisions. But unless he's seeing something going on that they're not getting the ball to deuce enough which they didn't, um, you, you know, and, and that might speak volumes to how dinged up Deuce Vaughn is. 12 carries, 47 yards. Uh, Deuce is effective, but he, I don't think he has the stamina right now. Uh, I, we don't even know exactly what's wrong with him. It seems like a lower body injury. He does not have the giddy-up in his step like yeah, he used to. He still makes some amazing plays, but, uh, it, you know, it just – this team – is really battered right now. And and fans are really upset because um, they thought, you know, there, there was going to be magical cures over an off week. Um, this team was healthy enough to play. Adrian Martinez would not have played if he was that bad. He injured his knee, um, and, it, and it's not a severe injury. It's just a painful injury. Um, he injured his knee at Iowa State. He was better. He, he was good enough to play. He was showing no signs of being gimpy in pregame, and then that first drive, the first hit. And, you know, it's one of those things where you got you can't hold him back. You know, why'd you run him? Well, you, you got to play. He's effective. You, you, you got to play. You, and, uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out, and, and uh, you know, Will comes in. But a lot of those, you know, Felix Anidike Uzama is not the same right now. He's He wasn't used in very many situations. They kind of Try to keep him for first and third down, it looked like. Um, you know, and then, then on top of that, you get the new injuries like Daniel Green. Um, so that could, becomes a big concern for the next game. But Chris answered everything. 
He and I mean, he didn't. You know, I know some fans want to say, "Well, Colin stunk." You know, your coach isn't going to say that. Um, but he did, and like you said, Will Howard's a man. He came in, sat down at the table, and and gave us everything we needed. Everything, Every, everything. He's a really intelligent, honest, um, uh, great kid, and the way some fans treat him, some of you need to stop. You need to stop with the social media attacks. Um, you know, if you saw the college game day thing, Adrian Martinez is a, an adult. I mean, he's he's been around it a lot. Um, and I don't care if you're 12, 22, or 58. When you take a just a cheap shot at someone on social media, it you know, it's like, what the hell? You know, what you do behind the anonymity of your account sometimes is, is really bad. But Will uh, is a lot more of an adult and a man than a lot of people I see on social media. And um, I thought he was remarkable. He claims K-State didn't change anything and how, or excuse me, TCU didn't change anything and how they were attacking them. But I'm I'm really looking forward to your tail of the tape, see if you can get into it. I know they brought more pressure. Yeah. That was the immediate thing that I the line of scrimmage a lot better. They did. And I, I, I want to say this about, as we wrap up the injuries because at one point in the fourth quarter when K-State's down one score on the defensive side of the ball they had Bo Palmer walk on at linebacker they had Nick Allen or not even Nick Allen this is when Nick Allen was out they had Gavin Forche first year player from junior college who keep in mind was an outside pass was an outside edge rusher transitioned to middle linebacker during the year so there's two guys they had Jacob Parrish out at cornerback true freshman they had vj Payne, true freshman in at safety and on top of that they had brendan mott former walk-on who started a lot of games at defensive end that is half of your defense who is either first year players or walk-ons that were out there against the number eight team in the country and still and still k-state found a way to get the ball back down two scores with four and a half minutes left to go in the game where if they would have been able to pull something out um, of their behind, and they could have made it a one-score game. One-score game. Throw in the fact that if Will Howard's pass to Cade Warner in the end zone is two feet lower, it is a touchdown. It is a three-point game with what seven, six minutes left to go in the game. Um, the game will, may feel like it was a lot more out of reach because K-State didn't score any points in the second half, but. I was texting back and forth with our own Ryan Gilbert, and and Ryan has not exactly been the highest on K-State. Lord knows he has not been the highest on Will Howard if you've been paying attention to the Go Power Cat podcast. But he said, and he told me this, I believe him. If Will Howard doesn't get hurt, if if Will Howard plays those two series, K-State wins this game. I agree. It's true. And there's some solace in the fact that this team was able to battle. They never gave up. Even at the very end of the game. They could have easily folded. TC could have scored a touchdown. 17 points looks a whole lot different than 10 points. I know it doesn't matter. I know there's more, no moral victories. But, you know, the sun will come up tomorrow. The sun has come up. This team has to get ready for Oklahoma State. And like I mentioned, Oklahoma State's dealing with a lot of injuries too. We don't know how bad some of these guys for K-State, how, how bad they are as far as severity of injuries. But I don't think the season's over. Cade Warner talked about it. He was proud of the fight. This team, everything they want is still in front of them. You know, it's going to be tough. Nobody said it was going to be easy. The old cliche saying is if it was easy, everybody would do it. 
right? Mm-hmm. Somebody somebody has to win on Saturday. K State controls their own destiny, and if if the culture that we keep hearing and we keep talking about, if that culture is so strong, like we believe it is, K State's going to have a great chance to win every single game the rest of the season because they just played the best team in the Big Twelve. If you really want to have another shot at them in Arlington, go take care of business and you control your own destiny. I agree. One more topic before we move on uh, to the second half of this podcast. Uh, Linebacker depth is a serious problem right now, but it isn't necessarily because of a lack of trying. Um, We need to refresh a lot of memories here. First of all, let me me read off the depth chart right now this season at linebacker because we really haven't talked about how – kind of piece together this position group is uh, in the middle you got daniel green who's a front line all big 12 type guy who honestly hasn't had a, as good a season as i expected uh, his backup is nick allen a former walk-on who or maybe he still is a walk-on who's playing at a very high level for nick he's playing really good football but still you're talking about another kid that has come through the developmental program uh, on the other main linebacker spot on the inside is austin moore same thing kids playing tremendously Again, he's a Kansas kid. He's a walk-on and has developed magically. Jake Clifton is listed as an or on the depth chart. Um, I don't believe we saw him. I don't think we saw him, which is curious because they've talked a lot about him. Maybe they've got him under the four games and they thought they could preserve it. Um, I think that's out the window probably. I imagine if that's what's going on, we'll see Jake next week. Um, and Gavin Forche, who, as you just mentioned, is a guy just learning a new position. And then, of course, at that... Sam linebacker spot. You got Khalid Duke, who I think we all recognize is playing out of position. They've kind of created a job for him um, as a former defensive end, now trying to play in space. Uh, and Desmond Purnell, a redshirt freshman who's played pretty good football at times, but there's a reason why he was going to be third on the depth chart. And and it'd be nice to have three transfers at that spot. If only, if only they would have had three Like transfers. one from Nebraska, who turned out to be too battered and beaten to continue his football career. Or one who looked the part physically, but didn't want anything to do with competing for playing time. Um, and maybe another one from Missouri, who was changed in positions, but was going to play and then just kind of disappeared for reasons we still don't fully understand. That's three guys, veteran players, that were supposed to be on this team that that didn't work out. So for all the magic they've had in the transfer portal, what they did with the linebacker position was an absolute disaster. They made bad choices. They took someone. Um, first of all, Brandon Jenkins from Rutgers was not Maryland. A vet. Maryland, excuse yeah. me. Um, yeah, um, from Maryland was a just not a good fit. I see why they took him. I I would, did one press conference with them like this dude looks apart. But as soon as I talked to him, I'm like, this dude ain't going to last. I knew it from the the minute I met him. And, um, you know, I think it was obvious. And I said it. I I didn't, that wasn't something I kept to myself. I said it. He he was too me focused to survive Mm -hmm. in this system. You know, I, you know, we go on and on about that, but they've got to fix their linebacker position. They got to fix, maybe it's coaching, um, but they got to get better at that spot because it's, it's come apart now at the seams. And as an old football guy, if you're if you're bad at linebacker, you're bad. You're bad. Um, it, you just can't be mediocre at linebacker. And uh, with Daniel Green slowed up, and um, that's they're going to be mediocre. Austin Moore can only do so much as an intelligent um, 
player that beat you to your spot. I'm curious how far Toby Osinsami is. That might be somebody I ask about. Michael Goins mentioned this. He was on the trip. He was on the trip. And I come back to this again. We were getting ready to go to break, but you brought three quarterbacks. Knowing your number one quarterback was dinged. And he brought a fourth inside linebacker, presumably for special teams. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that he played on special teams. Maybe he did. But I think they they massively screwed up by not bringing a fourth quarterback. You know, I if they didn't trust Jake Rubley enough to come in and run that one play when they had to kick the field goal. Yeah. That says all you need to know. That's it for the first half of the Powercat Postgame Podcast. We'll be back on the other side. We try to look ahead a little bit what faces K-State in the future around the Big 12. It's still all out there. Mathematically, it's there. K-State's 5-2. and two. They're 3-1 and one in the conference. Home games the next two weeks with Oklahoma State and Texas. We'll be back. This is Kansas State's Daniel Green, the leaders in K-State sports coverage. We'll be right back with more of the Powercat Postgame Podcast. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This is Kansas State's Felix and Yudike Uzama. Welcome back to the Powercat Postgame Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Powercat Postgame Podcast, brought to you by Caddyshack Golf. Get on over to Caddyshack Golf. It's Caddy with two Ts. Just go check it out. I mean, if you've been listening to this podcast and you haven't checked out their website, just gone over there and perused. Yeah, that's a good word. Peruse their website. You are missing out as Michael Goins goes eats breakfast. You get it all on this podcast. You get it all. Um, Cole, just from a standpoint, Cole Carmody's with me today, by the way. Cole, thank you. Just uh, from a standpoint of where this team is on their schedule, this is survivable. This is more than survivable. This isn't the end of the season at all. You win your next two home games. Now, look, I'm not just saying, oh, you just go beat them. These are really challenging opponents. Um, Oklahoma State's a very skilled team. Texas has always got a bunch of athletes. You're you're back in the driver's seat for a spot. So you've got these home games. You've got a 2.30 game now with Oklahoma State um, on Fox. K-State gets battered and beaten um, and uh, finally gets a, a national TV game on a, a over-the-air network next week. It's kind of funny that... That's how it worked out. But uh, if you can go do it, if you can find a way, piece it together, um, you're right back in this thing. I'll, one of the things I appreciate about Chris Kleiman was, you know, he, he's the next man up. There's a reason why he give you 85, um, is what he said. We'll be all right. That's something he needs to project to his team. They're not all right. I mean, there's a reason a guy's third on the depth chart and not first. I mean, there is. Uh, you need them to step up, but there's a reason why they're not there. They haven't stepped up. So um, they are a shell of themselves on the defensive side. 
I don't know how they're possibly going to get healthy for Oklahoma State. But none of the injuries appear to be traumatic. There's no ACLs. There's no dislocated shoulders. Although Ben Sennett, who we haven't mentioned, really, um, is a concern. I have no idea what's wrong with Ben Sennett. It looked like an elbow, maybe? It looks like he's had elbow issues. He's had dislocated elbow issues, and maybe he's done it again. Um, And if that's true, they've got an issue at tight end because as much as I like Sammy Wheeler and... As a weapon, Sammy just—he's not blocking to the level that you need a tight end to block. We've seen some just mm-hmm. embarrassing whiffs. Um, so they—they're just—they're just running real thin. And this is something I've said for years, and I don't know if people aren't hearing me say it. This has always been the Achilles' heel of Kansas State football and other programs like it. I—I I, I certainly don't want to put this program on the level of Kansas State. But we're seeing it happen to Kansas now. It's hard to maintain a competitive roster for some of these programs as the season wears on. And this is the biggest thing I think fans notice is that Kansas State has to change. They have to upgrade recruiting. Not in the Avery Johnsons or the Deuce Vaughns, but in those bottom half of your recruiting class. In the Jacob Parishes. They have to find yeah. more guys like that. They have to find guys that can step on the field at an earlier date. I understand they like the developmental program, but boy, if a kid's not ready to play in his first couple of years, yeah, I don't know if you can do that at the Big 12 level. I'm with you, and I think you're right. The defense is a shell of itself. Like that, that, that is an obvious, that is an obvious, obvious statement, and. And I don't know how you fix the recruiting aspect today in today's age with the transfer portal. Fitz, you know how easy it is to say, okay, I'm not going to play. I'm out of here. I'll go transfer to UTSA. I'll go transfer to Charlotte. You know, I'll go somewhere else. I'll go play. That's fine. You know, it, it was a lot easier. And and we talked when we talked to, uh, his name escapes me, a Big 12 coach. I think it was Mike Boynton at this at a Big Twelve Media Days, somebody Basketball. asked him a question. Yeah, somebody asked him a question about transfer portal, and he goes, "Well, my freshman year I didn't play, and if the transfer portal would have been around then, I would have left. But I'm happy I stayed because it changed my life. And I think the same can be said for kids who stay at K State. I mean, look at Will Howard. I know we've talked about it a million times. If even if Will Howard decides that K State is not for him, and he decides to leave, leaving after three years, playing a lot of football is a lot different." than leaving after one year of redshirting, which is what a lot of kids mostly do, right? So, I mean, I, I don't know how you fix it. You talk about the schedule, and as we look forward, I'm with you. I mean, you got two games at home that could not come at a better time. You know, say what you want to say. Sure, would you rather have KU this week? I don't know, maybe. But there's really no easy game in the Big 12. All I know is I told you this after the game. Playing at home in the Big 12 conference is the cure to everything. It is hard to win on the road in this league. Look at Baylor. They go to West Virginia. They get absolutely curb stomped. Maybe we're thinking Baylor's not that good. Maybe West Virginia's better. Well, what does West Virginia do? They go on the road to Texas Tech and get obliterated. What does Baylor do? They come home and they beat a Kansas team who people thought maybe could go in there and get an upset. So winning on the road in the Big 12 is very hard. It's hard. It's hard to do. K-State is going to have the advantage from the simple fact that they are at home these next two games, and if you get that game against Oklahoma State, you'll get the game against Texas. I firmly believe that. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Kansas State's 3-1 and one in the conference. 
but they're three on the road and one at home so far. This is a season where you've got the four or five. You're four at home and five on the road. Um, and it puts you at a disadvantage. It, it certainly does. But now it's flipped. Now that they've gone through this gauntlet, they almost ran the table with those three road games if they'd been able to hang on here in uh, Fort Worth. Now they've got three at home, two the next two weeks. And then, of course, Kansas end the season, trips to Baylor and West Virginia in there in between. Those are all, everything's winnable. When you consider who's coming into Manhattan and who you're visiting. Now, Baylor, I still think, has got something to say. I like shaping a lot as a quarterback. It's going to be a difficult game. Winning on the road, as you just said, is not easy. West Virginia, I'll ask Baylor. Need some help from West Virginia here pretty soon. They're going to have to start knocking off some teams, but hopefully not K-State. This, this is what the this is for Kansas State football and everyone in the Big 12 going ahead, going forward. This is going to be the most competitive league from top to bottom in the nation. It's what I love about this conference, um, and it's going to be really physical football, and you're going to have to build that depth. You're going to have to find a way. Now, this is an opportunity. I'm going to be cold-blooded here. This is an opportunity for Kansas State to flush their roster. If this kid isn't going to make it, you need to get rid of him. Cold? Yeah. Business? Yeah. Because the NCAA, coming out of the pandemic, has made this an open season. You have to stay under your 85 scholarship limit, but you have no class limit. It's absolutely huge for a program like Kansas that's still trying to build the roster. But it creates an opportunity for Kansas State to say, look, we've got to get a higher level of athlete. They're out there. We haven't been able to get them to Manhattan. We're finally being able to get them to Manhattan. And now we have a track record that we can show that says, you can come to K-State, be in a great team locker room atmosphere, and thrive. We've seen the stories all over the place of Josh Hayes is the latest one this year. And honestly, even though it skirts NCAA rules, you need the Josh Hayes to call up his buddies at Virginia. Sounds like Reggie Stubblefield to Drake Cheatham. Right. You need them to make some phone calls. You're Nebraska guys. There's guys at Nebraska that can help K-State. We see it on the field right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and say, look, this is a good place. This is this is a good atmosphere, good coaches, good campus, uh, you know, a solid program. When Chris Kleiman took over the program, he knew depth was the issue. He said it at his first press conferences we got to build the depth of this program you can rewind this 10 years to when kansas state played at baylor and had the ty zimmerman injury the backup lamar chapman redshirt freshman and it wasn't like lamar wasn't a good football player so lamar chapman i'm calling randall evans no i'm totally i'm totally losing my mind here Dante Barnett. Dante Barnett. Man, I'll tell you question. what, I did not get enough sleep. Dante Barnett. Yes. I just right. skipped like over a generation of K-State football. I know. I was like, that didn't sound right. <laughs> Dante Barnett comes in as a Redford, Redshirt freshman. Man, that's, that the synapses aren't working this yet. Um, and he ends up being one of the greatest defensive backs in K-State history, but he wasn't ready. But he was second on the depth chart. Depth. 
you got to have guys that can step on the field and be ready. And the biggest advantage of an Oklahoma, Texas, they might not mentally be ready, but physically they're more advanced. We talk developmental program. People think um, you got to teach them football. Now it's more about, there's a lot of that, um, but physically they got to get ready. They're just not there yet. And, you know, we, we all went to high school. We, we see those kids in the hallway that look like men. That's who the Oklahoma and Texas are getting. We're, we're getting at K-State and other places like it. The kid next to him, who's two years behind in physical development. He's got a different genetic makeup, but he'll get there. And again, Kansas high school football, you don't get the advancements you do in Texas or Florida with year-round football. And that's an issue. You can use it to your advantage, but boy, you got to have the depth. I they think, just don't. I think that mentally, these guys succeed. The Jacob Parrishes, the Nick Allens, throwing Bull Palm. Bull Palmer, I didn't think he played a bad game. These guys can succeed because the coaching staff is so good at coaching the game of football. Mm-hmm. That is the one thing I've said about this staff from day one. They are great football coaches. Whoever, whoever plays against Oklahoma State will mentally be prepared. That's that's the bottom line. Will they be physically prepared to match the speed of Spencer Sanders and everybody else that Oklahoma State brings? I couldn't tell you that. But I know whoever suits up against Oklahoma State, they'll mentally be ready to go because, A, the coaching staff is so great at coaching these players up, and, B, I think the leadership on this team won't allow those guys to not be ready to go. Yeah. Because these guys want to win. These guys know they still have everything in front of them. I mean, seven games in fits, five and two. This is, I think, where every single pundit, including ourselves, um, may have predicted them. I think I might have had them at six and one. Um, I think I had them, I had them ten and two to end the season. I still think that's possible. Obviously, you got to take care of business against Oklahoma State. But you can still make the conference championship game. And if they were to play TCU... 90% of the guys that were out, they beat TCU. Right. Think about that. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, the, the issue here is there's no more time to heal up. They healed up as best they could during the off week, and they, those things just linger. I'm not, I'm not sure if some people think that an off week is a magical season in which all, every, all ailments, physical, mental, and um, technical in terms of football are healed, but that's not how it works. This team was much healthier for this game than it would have been last week if they had to play. But still, they weren't completely healed up. It's clear to me that Deuce Vaughn and Felix Anyadike Ozama and other guys are not going to be 100% the rest of the year. They're just not. Unless you're willing to set them down for a couple of weeks, which you can't afford, they're not going to get there. they they got to keep playing. They're going to have to develop a third running back. Not having a third running back is an issue right now. It is a major issue. Um, you know, I think DJ Giddens has given him more than I ever imagined, but uh, it's clear they can't put him in all circumstances. I think that too might be limiting some of the play calling. So it's it's uh, it's a reality of Kansas State. But as I wrap this thought up, they're going to have to rebuild this roster, um, not from the ground up, but in the heart of it, and and go find some guys. It's open season, um, and the transfer portal can be wonderful. And as we mentioned, linebacker, it could be a disaster. 
you you got to be real careful. I said it all last year. Uh, I think they need to have a coach in-house that is the transfer portal guy. And all he's doing is shopping. He's watching film. He's keeping an eye out. He's keeping notes on programs. Um, he's scouting and realizing this kid's in the portal. I know him. I recognize how good he is. Let's go get him immediately. Right now, Kansas State has the knee-jerk reaction of saying, this kid might be good. Here's an offer. Now let's go back and evaluate him. And then they I'm not sure that's quite right. I would rather them be able to say, this kid looks good. I know I've been watching him. Here's an offer. We want you. We Right now, this is actionable. You can come. There's guys. There's a plenty of great football coaches that could do that. Another thing we talked about that needs to change maybe in-house is a statistical analytical guy that can really offer Kansas State football some down-and-distance information Mm -hmm. of great depth and substance, not from a chart that someone outside's created and this is what you do on this play, but this is what works for us on down-and-distance. This is where we execute the best. Chris Kleiman's an old-school football coach. He's, He's in his early 50s. But in many ways, he comes from the same generation as Bill Snyder. Um, And he's going to have to make some changes to how he does business. Because you know what I thought he did last night? He coached like he was the Alabama of FCS. Mm -hmm. He's got better players. Stay the course. We're going to win. That's not true at this level. You're not Alabama or at the FCS level, North Dakota. Even Alabama is in Alabama right now. Right. You can't just line up and be confident that you're going to come out because your guys will get it taken care of. I've seen a lot of adjustments that I think Coach Kleiman, who I respect greatly. I know people get upset with him. So one person on social media say, have fun at your next FCS job. I mean, just insanity from K-State fans sometimes. From all fans. It's just the way it is. Um but I see a coach that doesn't know how to manage timeouts because he never really had to do it. He never really was in that many competitive games. I see a coach who who sometimes you know, still makes decisions based on I'm the better team because that was his only head coaching experience coming to Kansas State. He was always the better team on the field, the most skilled team, best coach team, the best funded program. He had all the advantages. He was Texas. He was Alabama. He's not that here. It takes a little bit of different mindset and maybe a little reset on how he's approaching things. I don't know. It's it's uh, that that sounds like a giant overreaction to a single loss. But again, Cole, I, I look at this team and um, I see opportunity here. I had him. You mentioned ten two. I had him at nine and three, and I could still see them being six and three in the conference, which is what I had. Of course, I didn't have him losing to Tulane. Mm-hmm. But how they performed against Tulane and how the depth ran out at TCU is the measurement of where this program's at. And on the other end of it, you can go anywhere. You can beat anyone if you play a full game and if you don't have catastrophic injuries, which while none of them catastrophic in terms of severity, that I've never seen the number of guys that left the field. And as Michael Goins pointed out, very few of them were actually down on the field. So strange. 
So strange. I mean, he saw Ben Sennett down with an arm. He probably could have gotten up, but I think they wanted, they told him, you know, let's let's let the defense or let this yeah. offense rest a little bit. Um, you know, and Will Howard goes down. Eddie Martinez played, and then left, gimped off and left, never saw him again. Josh Hayes kept coming back and forth. Um, Julius Brents played and then would go into the locker room. Um, you know, one of our competitors, again, guy was sitting next to me and he was, he and I talked through the game and he goes, I've never seen so many guys go to a locker room during the course of a game. And I honestly thought they might have the flu blood bug yeah. going around because there were so many guys went into that locker room in the game. And he says, why don't they have an injury tent? It's a valid question. I don't know. It was, it was fascinating. And you brought up a lot of good points there. I'll say this as we wrap this up. Yep. I think that you look at the two losses K-State has suffered. Tulane has one loss. They're going to be a top 20 team. They're ranked 25. They're going to move up. They won. They're going to be a top 20 team. TCU is potentially a top five team, depending upon movement, you know, um, in the uh, in the polls. K-State has a great chance to still be ranked. I don't know if they'll, if they'll be ranked. I've seen some people have them on the 25-ish. You know, it'll be close. Um, doesn't matter. The point is they've lost to two really good teams. Mm-hmm. Um, Tulane's going to be in the conversation for a New Year's Six Bowl at the end of the year. They just are, if they continue to win. K-State can be right there, too. You're right. Everything is in front of them. They've got to try and find a way to make adjustments to get healthy. But I'll ask you this. Do you feel better now about this loss than you did 10 hours ago? No. Actually, I don't. I don't. I, I'm, as I wake up today, after a whopping five hours of sleep, as you can tell, um, I'm really worried about the health of this team going forward. They won't be healthy the rest of the year. How are they going to massage this to keep them healthy? Because I got to say this. They're going into a game with Oklahoma State, who might be the most physical, slash at times dirty, ask Colin Klein, team in the in the league. And the other one that might be that way is TCU. TCU has injured every quarterback they've played against. So strange. In the Big 12 this year. Dirty? I don't think so. Physical, yeah. It it's kind of amazing how things work out. Maybe the fans were throwing batteries at the opposing quarterbacks. Yeah, that's a whole other topic. <laughs> Man, TCU, you got to get your student section under control. Uh, and maybe that happens at K State, but I've never heard of that. They're throwing batteries and beer cans at the opposing bench. I think Chris Kleiman got hit, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Man, it's so Christian. <laughs> Give them hell. They give them hell. <laughs> That's it for this PowerCat post-game review podcast. Sponsored by Caddyshack Golf. We appreciate you listening. I'll get with Brian Hanley, maybe. We'll see how I feel. I might need a day to recover from what I saw. It was traumatic to see the collapse of the Cats. Played so well to get up 28-10. And then give up 28 unanswered. As they had no answers. And only 87 yards of offense in the second half. at TCU. For Cole, I'm Fitz. We'll talk to you soon. A lot more podcasts. And if you're not subscribing, you probably should be. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. PowerCat.com.